Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Medicine Forward, a grassroots impact network elevating the voice of physician change leaders. Medicine Forward is dedicated to creating a brighter future for healthcare by fostering collaboration, innovation, and positive change within the medical community. With a strong commitment to improving the human patient physician relationship, Medicine Forward brings together forward thinking physicians, healthcare leaders, and change makers to tackle the most pressing challenges in healthcare today. Their initiatives span advocacy, education, and community engagement, all driven by the shared goal of creating a healthier and more equitable healthcare system. As a trusted sponsor of our podcast, Medicine Forward exemplifies their mission to promote meaningful dialogue, facilitate interdisciplinary collaboration, and inspire innovative solutions for a healthier world. We're honored to have Medicine Forward as a partner in our journey to explore the latest developments and insights in healthcare. To learn more about Medicine Forward and their work, visit their website at medicineforward.org. Join us in supporting this remarkable organization as they continue to drive positive change and transformation in healthcare. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Ripple of Change podcast, Searching for Our Quadruple Aim. This bi-weekly podcast is to highlight, celebrate, and explore those doing positive and innovative things in healthcare, and to laugh and have fun. Remember, smash all those buttons, like, subscribe, forward, share, and whatever else I may have forgotten. Absolutely. And as a reminder, I'm Dr. Todd Otten, and here with my co-host, Joshua Judy, who is one of my former patients. Uh, and we've got to give our shameless plug for our book, Ripple of Change. Uh, you'll, ha you'll have to bear with us as I may or may not bring that up intermittently. I even got my bracelet on. It's the exact colors as the cover of the book that my wife made for me. So if you want more information, it's www.ourquadrupleaim.com. And as a reminder, Our Quadruple Aim is four components, patient experience, quality care, lower costs, and provider wellness. Thanks, Todd. Today, we celebrate positive medicine with Dr. David Beaumont and Gail Snyders. Our guests are joining from New Zealand and Australia, respectively, and thank goodness for technology to close those distances. I'd like to start by highlighting Dr. David Beaumont. David is the founder and chief evangelist for positive medicine. He has defined the principles of positive medicine during his professional career as a general practitioner, then an occupational health specialist, and later as an author of an award-winning book, Positive Medicine. And we're already starting with the yin and the yang, so I'm going to introduce Gail Snyders. She is the CEO of Positive Medicine, a physiotherapist and multidisciplinary practice owner until she became chronically ill and unable to work for four years. As her treating physician, David introduced Gail to Positive Medicine supporting her with the knowledge she needed to heal herself. It's a pleasure to have both of you join us today from the other side of the world. So thank you for that. I echo that. Thank you so much. And thank welcome. you, Todd and Joshua. It's lovely to lovely to be with you. And uh, we've really enjoyed our conversations that we've had, had with you in the past while. Likewise. Yes, we very much enjoyed it. And uh, so glad we've found each other and connected. So thank you. David, any initial thoughts before we start 
lobbing questions at you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we have been brought together because we all agree that there needs to be this ripple of change. So we absolutely, uh, your, your concepts resonate with us and our quadruple aim is entirely what positive medicine is about as well. So yeah, no, excited for the journey that we're going to go on together. And I don't just mean in this podcast. I love it. I love it. In fact, I, I, I'm already going to go off script, which Josh is probably not surprised at, at all. <laughs> um, I've, I've been using the term positive disruptor uh, quite a bit, uh, and I know exactly where I got that from as I'm holding up David's book, Positive Medicine, here. And I know for a certain that other individuals have started using that nomenclature as well. So I feel like these interactions are all happening for a reason for you know the greater good, and, and it's wonderful to having been introduced uh, to the two of you in the recent past. And I just add, Todd, that the full title of the book is Positive Medicine Disrupting the Future of Medical Practice. And I had to qualify the word disrupting to and make it really clear. This is positive disruption that we're talking about. We're actually creating a better future for medicine for patients and for all of the healthcare professionals who work within that healthcare industry. That's fabulous, David. Yes. And I, I think that's a great lead in to read a quote uh, from the book, if I may. This is from page 32. We need to start treating the patient as well as the disease. Our job is improving the quality of life not just delaying death. You treat a disease, you win, you lose. You treat a person, I'll guarantee you win. I love that. Wow. And I bet our listeners tuning in love that as well. Do you like to add or say anything about that, David or Gail? Thank you so much, Joshua. I think that is so pertinent. It's a great way of framing our discussion. Um, we at Positive Medicine talk about whole person health. We look at actually helping the whole person heal. So in every domain of their life, and we look at the four pillars of health, physical health, psychological health, emotional health or relationships, and spiritual health. And we have overtly included spiritual health into the model as what brings meaning and purpose to our lives and the connections that we have in our lives. First and foremost, the connection we have with our true self. Secondly, the connection we have with others, then nature and the land, and the potential of something beyond this, some kind of organizing force within the universe, call it what you like. But this brings all, our model brings all of this together under those four pillars. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I love it. As do I. Um, in going back in, in Ripple of Change, I, when I struggled with Josh and trying to get him to a better place, I didn't have a lot to offer in, in traditional Western medicine. And ultimately, I think the prescription that served him the best is when I said, just right. And fast forward 18 months, here we are. Um, 
having published a book and he's in a better place and I'm in a better spot and we're, and we're talking to people on the other side of the world about trying to make even bigger changes. It's just, it's wonderful. And and actually, I, I feel like that's a really good lead into the next question I had, which is a little bit for the both of you, I suppose. Um, Joshua and I obviously started as a doctor-patient relationship and, and that has clearly evolved into a great friendship and now business partners with uh, Ripple of Change and our quadruple blame. But we really feel there's an un- uncanny similarity to the start of your relationship with Gail, at least um, from what I understand. And I'd love if the two of you could walk us through that and how that blossomed over time. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, it's an, it's an interesting story because I'd, I'd seen, um, I don't know, at least 50 specialists but before I, I arrived at, at David at Medical File So Fat that um, most people wouldn't want to take the case on. <laughs> and the reality is that that um, when I first met David, I thought, oh, you know, this is just going to be another another dead end line, um, and another rehashing of really complicated medical medical history. And uh, David's initial outset of of looking at that is that he'd reviewed what kind of clinicians had seen my case, and he was like, well, there's there's nothing missed from a biological point of view. Um, those those tests have been done, and and so the whole conversation started, you know, really about the concepts that are within positive medicine. Positive medicine is um, is also uh, based on the Maori model of health. It's called Tefara Tapafa, um, which is these four pillars that we've that we've spoken about, and how um, how these elements really are, are integrated to form health. So. When, when you're sitting in a case like I was where I had a lot of physical symptoms, the reality is if the physical, if those elements that had been addressed in, uh, in the physical realm uh, didn't resolve the problem, then obviously the problem's not sitting there. It's sitting in one of the other, the other three pillars or aspects of my life or after being unwell for so many years, actually probably in all of them. So that was the case, the, the story that... David helped me unravel and find out what is the, what do I need to change? What do I need to change in my life to to make things better? Um, I'd already made a lot of changes up to that point. I'd, I'd done things like moved off grid, changed the lifestyle block, made a, you know, pretty much changed everything about my life except for uh, divorcing my husband, which I haven't done. I'm very grateful I didn't. <laughs> but, but basically, um, we made all these changes and they didn't work. Because they were, I try to analyze what possible changes can I can I still do, um, but David took me through this process and through this deep connection that you develop with yourself in the positive medicine process, you can unravel what changes you need to make, and I slowly but surely ticked away at making changes that that improved my health. Some of them, a large number of them, are physical, um, things that I had to do differently uh, that that were against the advice I'd, I'd gotten in the medical realm. Um, but the testing process and having the certainty of trusting myself to, to do what it is that I needed to do was part of what uh, what David supported me with. And um, and so we developed such a deep friendship in the process of, of understanding and, um, you know, just really sharing my life. And, and David is wonderful He's not, uh, as a doctor. He's not... Um, he doesn't hold back. He shares pieces of his life too. 
Um, so you literally recognize that he's he's also human and, and oh, yeah, no, I've done this and oh, I've had these challenges and I've had these challenges and these ones I've overcome or these ones I haven't sorted out yet. Um, and all of that realness, that real personal interaction is really what supported um, both for me to recover, to realize I'm I'm real too, but also to really support our, our friendship developing. So uh, when I was kind of coming out the other side of it, where he was like, well, my big dream uh, is, is I want to take this into the wider realm. I don't want to just be working one-on-one -on -one with patients. I, I want to bring it into the world. And and will you join me? I'm always like, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So can I just say there is something within what Gail said that is of fundamental importance to the model of me positive medicine. And that is that I didn't tell Gail what to do. All I did was ask her a series of questions about where she's at or where she was at and how she got there. And then I sat back and I listened. Doctors are not good at sitting back and listening, and they're definitely not good at not telling. But the, one of the key principles of positive medicine is the answers are always within. So what I allowed Gail to do was to go within and to find her own answers. She only told me afterwards that she actually at times got angry with me because my questions were either too probing or I didn't tell her what to do and she was left. We'd finish sessions and questions would be left hanging. And that was the important thing too, that I had to give her time to process all of this. So uh, this took about 12 months for her to go through the whole process, but she had been off work for five years with a whole constellation of problems. Um, but at the end of the day, um, she, she turned around and she said, I healed myself. This was nothing that I had done. I simply helped her create the circumstances for healing. That That's brilliant. Um, I, I, I'm almost speechless, I suppose, which is, which is not the norm, but I, I love that. I do have a question regarding the beginning of the interaction. David, did, did you have a timeline in mind you were thinking where this might occur for Gail? Yeah, yeah. I was given a timeline by her insurance company. Um, and the, the timeline they gave me... No, no, listen, Todd. Listen. Uh, I'm, I'm listening. I My mind just immediately went to, like, probably not the right place with that comment. No, well, this is an important comment. They gave me 25 years. They said... I hope you don't let me get saying this, Gail. They said, Gail's 40. She's not worked for five years. She's on claim until 65. That is the, the load, the burden that we are carrying. Do what you can to turn this round and help her get back to life, get back to work, and ultimately, for the insurance company, get off claim. So, so they saw that, I'm sorry, Gail, again, they saw her as a bit of a lost cause because this is what happens. People who've been on claim on insurance companies and not worked for five years are highly unlikely ever to go back to work. 
So they gave me 25 years and I took 12 months. Ah, oh, no, it wasn't me. I didn't take 12 months. Gail <laughs> took 12 months. <laughs> wow. And uh, I'm speechless too, Todd. That's incredible. I mean, it, it really is. There's a lot to unpack there. I think there's a lot to contemplate about people that are listening or I think kind of blown away by that. But there's also a lot of parallels to ripple change. I mean, I, I you've highlighted something there about just listening and that Todd threw that out earlier too about not telling me what to write, just to write. And when I asked him about a little bit more guidance, that was all I got. Just just go, reflect, think about everything you've experienced. And it, it it really started to come up from within. So thank you for sharing that and being so transparent. That's uh, incredible. Yeah, it, Joshua, what's interesting in, you know, that writing is he'll do that. So that's the creative process. And when we look at our, you know, our, our structural framework of the pillars of health, creativity comes out of the spiritual realm. So it's enabled in order to create something, you need to be deeply connected with who you truly are. That's where creativity comes from. That's where the secret magic source comes from. It doesn't come from outside inspiration. It comes from inside inspiration, which is why Todd would never be able to tell you what to write. Because there had to be you, you know, <laughs> that's the only thing that will bring you that thrill and sense of, sense of elation. And, and that's kind of the magic of, of, um, of positive medicine. You know, I think, I think this whole realm and this understanding of what fits in that very vast box of spiritual health is is uh, is something we'd like to universalize as a concept to understand. Is there's yes, there is a religion that fits in that box too, but there's a lot of other elements that fit in that box, and we and we need to think about all of those aspects in order to really nourish ourselves and and take life in the direction of what's important for us. And just to pick up on that word religion, we make it really clear that spiritual health isn't about religion unless it is for you. And of course, we live in a secular society in our Western world now where people who count themselves as religious is a, a diminishing number. It's incredibly important for some people and we encourage that. But what we're doing in universalizing the concept of spiritual health is saying we all deserve spiritual health because spiritual health is the health of the spirit. It's the health of the essence of who we truly are. So one thing we're doing is enabling people to tap in to that inner essence of themselves. And that's one of the things that writing does. And we, we encourage all of our patients, we don't call them patients, we call them clients, we call, encourage all of our clients to write things down. But we tell them to journal. We tell them not to think about what they're writing, just to write. Take a question and just write what comes to you and just keep writing. And it, it, it's a wonderful, wonderful tool because... When I do that, I can write reams, I can write pages without even thinking, giving one thought to what I'm writing. And when I read afterwards, I go, oh my goodness, did I write that? And hence that quote, hence that quote, Joshua. As you were reading that quote that is in my book, my immediate thought was, wow, 
Did I write that? <laughs> Award-winning. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And isn't it amazing that we we're carrying so much of this around? I mean, um, and that we're able to you know share it with the world. So I guess David, very profound thoughts. Gail, I'd like to ask you something. Um, how did you reconnect spiritually to do some of the things that David you feel was enabling for you? Because I know for myself. I felt very disconnected, I think, spiritually for a long time um, to be able to, um, you know, move forward. So how would you say that you were able to take those steps? Mm. I think that's actually an excellent question because um, it wasn't just one thing at all. Um, but it was, you know, the, the uh, when I was a kid at school, if I got sick, my mom was like, well, if you don't go to school, then you can't go to the party, Right. Now, if you've been chronically sick for four yeah. years, you've been staying home, you've not been going to school, you're not, you're not doing the fun things either. And in this illness process, I disconnected from all of the things that brought me joy in life, all of the things that were really fun. And I was just struggling and coping to do the, the basics because I, I have children, so I was trying to still look after them as best as, a, as I was able um, I did try unsuccessfully several several times to return to work, um, and but I I didn't go out and have fun. So part one of those things was reconnecting with all of the things that I loved, both from before I became ill. It's, uh, some of the things that I couldn't really reconnect with. I, I used to be an ultra distance runner; that wasn't really a an option for me at the time. But I did love walking in nature, so I reconnected with that, and I. Um, I didn't feel it was safe for me to go diving in the ocean, but I did go swimming in the ocean. And I did reconnect with the whole of my friends and, um, and really made, made a point of finding fun and joy and frivolity and doing silly creative things without a, without a goal. Um, so I did a whole lot of those, those aspects. Um, other parts were really about finding um, – a, a new identification with myself. If you are a healthcare professional and you've worked really hard in, in that realm and you've really upped your skills to, to a high level, uh, your sense of who you are is very much attached to that role that you've played. So, you know, you, you go to work, you do excellent work, you have patients that are really grateful. Um, so you constantly getting this positive reinforcement about the great things that you've done on a day-to-day -day basis. Now you take that away and you go, well, who do I identify with now if I'm no longer that? So I had to, and that, this is this is the hard bit. Those are the sticky-ended, pointed questions that David asked. It's about really going into yourself and go, well, who am I without that? Who, who am I, you know, what, what really brings me joy? What, you know... Um, and I probably found out some of those answers to those questions that I'd never, I'd never even acknowledged to myself throughout my my whole life. So I'm busy doing something uh, much far more creative than I than when I was working in a in a clinical setting, for instance. So, um, yeah, it's about really discovering that way in and in your body. If you've been ill, your body tells you it's this great thing. If you're doing something that brings you joy, that's aligned with your spiritual self you feel joy and light and well. Uh, and if you, um, one of the symptoms I have is arthritis. So if I keep pushing against things that I feel I must do, my arthritis just gets worse. 
So, so um, which which means it's not aligned. And then you stop doing it, and and it feels better, and you take a different direction, and and you, you things move with ease again. So, so uh, it's a one joy of of having a body that's very sensitive and and shows you where you've gone wrong, is that it's going to show you where you go wrong every step of the way, <laughs> and you got to learn to listen and and tune in and go, oh, okay, not that direction. Then let's go into the direction where I do feel energized and at ease and. And all of those things. So that was the process, and it was definitely a process. It's not an overnight. Uh, wake up one morning, and it's uh, uh, it's all obvious situation. Yeah. So there wasn't just a, a switch that got flipped. No, no. And it, well, do you know what? It's a switch that gets flipped today, and then it might unflip itself over a while, and then you can have it flip for. It's about having the number of days that that switch is flipped for more in the green than in the red <laughs> uh, and that's the, it's that's the process so uh even if you get the aha moment today and it's the right one it doesn't necessarily stay that way it's a constant work it's a constant working process because you change right you improve you you develop more more um capacity and therefore you have more capacity and therefore your essence your spirit of who you are expects more from you too so you can't keep doing what worked last year. You got to keep reproducing yourself. Yeah. I just to say a ton of wisdom in what you said. And uh, that theme again of listening, again, mm -hmm. it, it, it's throughout. So mm. thank you for sharing. I think one of the struggles that we have in the United States is a lot of times people want the easy button or the, this, the proverbial switch to be flipped, or they want a pill that'll just make it magically better. And unfortunately, that's not the reality a lot of times. Um, I think this might be a good opportunity to take a half second pause, and then Joshua is going to uh, introduce our Ripple Challenge questions, which are intended to get to know you a little better, throw things off a little bit. So the Ripple Challenge questions, we throw these out there, supposed to be quirky and fun, add a little bit of levity and break down silos. And we want to get to know you better. So we'll start with a, a an easy one and a fun one. This is to David. Ripple challenge question number one. Tomato or tomato? Tomato. <laughs> All right. It's uh, brilliant. All right, Gail. Potato or potato? Well, that's that's an easy one. It's definitely potato. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, that's wonderful. And and we'll we'll back up just a, a bit in our questions here. I know you have a conference coming up um, in September, I believe, in Auckland. Is that right? Yeah, it's actually a week tomorrow. Um, it's called the Future of Medicine Conference. Um, which has been organized by Professor Grant Schofield at Auckland uh, University. And, um, yeah, he's brought together a lot of people who believe in the ripple of change, believe that there is a better future for medicine. And um, 12 months ago, he asked if I would speak at the conference. I would just done last year's conference. And and I said, of course, yes, I'd love to. This is my topic. I, yeah, where's, where is medicine going? I actually didn't find out until two weeks ago that I'm actually delivering the opening keynote. Um, so obviously I'm going to be talking about the future of medicine, 
but I'm going to be sharing some pretty radical ideas with the audience because for the first time ever, I'm going to be talking to an audience who all want the same thing. They all want a better future for medicine. And um, earlier you referred to uh, traditional Western medicine. And I've got a slide where I'm comparing positive medicine to traditional Western medicine. And I thought, what should I use? Should I say traditional or should I say Western? And I thought, you know what? I'm actually going to say conventional medicine. What is conventional medicine? Well, a convention is the way we do things. And conventional medicine is about the way we do medicine, the way we've always done it, the way we've done it for the last 150 years, and the realization that actually it's not good enough. It is failing patients, and it is failing doctors and other healthcare professionals. So I think it's a really important distinction. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm painting um, a vision of a brighter future. Oh, I'm, can I keep going? Can I keep going? <laughs> I'm not going to stop you. This is great. Please. Um, there is one concept that I I kind of hold back a bit, and that is the idea of a, a revolution in healthcare. And I hold that back because people are scared of revolution. It sounds a negative concept. But in reality, I'm, of course, talking about a positive revolution. And it needs to be a revolution. We need to revolutionize medicine. We have tried so many times with healthcare reforms to allow medicine to evolve, to get a bit better. But what that means is we're starting from the wrong point. We're starting from where we're at now. And we can't tweak medicine. We actually have to not start from scratch, but just to acknowledge it's not working and go, okay, if there is a brighter future, and let's just, for sake of argument, call it positive medicine, how do we get there? So we are now working with um, a general practice in New Zealand who are introducing positive medicine into their practice. They've just completed taking a group of patients through the positive medicine process and the feedback has been amazing he is going to research the hell out of this every step of the way to see what the outcomes could be so this is about the field of possibilities this is about that question what if what if this could be the future of healthcare and I don't obviously I don't just mean New Zealand or Australia. I mean US, UK, Europe, globally. That's our tiny dream that positive medicine becomes the health model of the world. This is wonderful. And and in part, you're making my job really easy here because you're answering a lot of the questions that I have listed. <laughs> and, and so uh, I can just sit back and listen and enjoy and learn. And, and really, that's what we're trying to do with this is to highlight our colleagues out there that are just doing amazing things to take the healthcare space to a better place. And and I applaud you for that. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. Um, 
Joshua, why don't, why don't we throw the ball back to you for the next question here? Yeah, absolutely. So I think what you just said, David, um, I think is a great frame up for these next two questions, kind of a two-parter here. And I'd like to hear both uh, your thoughts, David, and Gail's. When you talk about this revolution in medicine, so if you could change one and only one thing, if you were to limit it about healthcare today, what would it be? And the second part to that, conversely, what wouldn't you change and why? The one thing I would change is to stop talking about seeking cures and instead start talking about helping people heal. Um, we're actually, as, as doctors and healthcare professionals, we have been scared of that word heal because it sounds a bit alternative. But actually, all of recovery from illness is healing and all of it comes from within. It isn't actually about what the doctor does to the patient. It's actually what the patient's body does for themselves. What we're doing with healing is optimizing the process of homeostasis. The body is an incredible healing machine. Let's just allow it the opportunity to do what it does best. And to do that, we have to listen to our bodies, exactly as Gail has described. What wouldn't I change? You know what I wouldn't change? I wouldn't change caring. Doctors are naturally caring people. For goodness sake, that's why they went into the professional in the first instance. It is the system who that corrupts that ability to care for patients. That's where burnout comes from, um, that the system doesn't allow us to care, doesn't encourage us to care. Um, and so doctors, all healthcare professionals, do what they do because of that calling to care and help people. Amazing and beautiful, beautiful thoughts. You just put forth, David. Gail, I'd love to hear your take on it. Yeah, so um, I think my one thing, what would I change, is I would change the self-efficacy question. So what, what I, we as patients or we as clients of users of medicine we need to understand how huge our role is in, in the healing process. If you don't have self-efficacy, if you don't have a sense that I am going to make myself better, you're not going to get better. It, really understanding that this, this relationship uh, with your doctor, your doctor is there to provide, support you, to provide you the circumstances for healing to educate you and to guide you to water and, and certainly if you've just broken your arm to put, to put the plaster of Paris on. But your body is healing in that moment. So that whole self-efficacy uh, part is so important and what we're seeing in medicine the, is the opposite is happening is the longer you're in the medical system, the more you learn helplessness. You learn how you have to depend on others to make you well. Um, and, and that is a... Um, that's got to change. So th that's my one. Um, that's got to change. What well, doesn't have to change? I have to fully agree with with David there. It, it's it's the people. There's such beautiful people in healthcare with so much love. They need to be supported 
to do what they do. We don't need less healthcare uh, professionals that care for people, care for bodies and are interested in medicine and interested in helping people heal. Uh, we, we need all of them. So definitely the people in medicine are the ones that are uh, that are really special. And, and I think that's what David alluded to. We, we have the opportunity to create a vision of, okay, good. Like it, we've, we've thoroughly tried to improve the system, right? And, and so many different iterations. And we know it's not improvable. We know it needs to be rethought. So let's, as a group of, of professionals in this field and and uh, passionate uh, people within this field, let's let's make a vision for how we wanted to look and make it so. You know, it's a it's just our creative project. This is something we can we can do together. We can create a different medical system because we know this one isn't working. Uh, you can create artificial intelligence for goodness sakes. Of course, you can create um, a, a new medical system. No problem. We just need to all group together and do it. Create a vision and and get on with it. Well, if I could, if I could reach through my computer and give you both a hug right now, I would. But <laughs> I, I, I the virtual hug—that's wonderful. Oh, it's so good. Oh, I, I, you know, I love the smiles and laughter when we talk about this stuff. You know, in the midst of a lot of the frustrations that exist, um, you know, just around the world uh, with the infrastructure, it it just warms my heart. And and this is really what we wanted to do uh, with our podcast was to to take a different approach and talk about hope and opportunity and love and all those things that you don't hear about as much as we should. So kudos to the both of you for, for saying those things. How about we uh, go to ripple challenge question number two, Gail, biking or golf? Oh, <clears throat> biking for sure. Yeah, and David, <laughs> running or swimming, David. Well, sorry, say that again. Running or swimming, David. Oh, swimming definitely. Um, I swim three or four times a week. Um, really enjoy it. I find it meditative uh, when I'm swimming. Um, I would love to be able to run, but um, one of the things that I've I've always said um, in meetings generally, um. I'm a sprinter and not a marathon runner. So recently I actually tried sprinting. I used to be a 100-meter, 200-meter sprinter. Um, And I tried it recently and I thought, oh, my goodness, I can still run. It's just I'm not a marathon runner. You and I share that both, uh, that affliction or Perhaps it's a it's a benefit. And I, a, a quick aside, I'll share this story. I, I went out for cross country once, and uh, it was all I could do to just run to my car. And when they said two miles to warm up, and that that was it, I knew I was a sprinter. So, <laughs> ironically, uh, I too was a sprinter, and believe it or not, long jumper. But I was actually going to uh, celebrate my uh, son. I think you both will appreciate this. He's um, a collegiate uh, distance runner and his 5k time last week was uh, 15 minutes and 49 seconds wow that's just a sprinter running a long distance <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's there's some validity to that statement i would say for sure he's a very talented young man yeah can i share something that nobody knows about and that is that um, I wasn't a long jumper. I was 100 meters, 200 meters, shot put, and discus. 
And when I was 15, um, I came second in Great Britain in the shot put. Um, and then unfortunately, everybody caught up with my growth spurt and overtook me. Um, but yeah, there was a moment of glory. That is wonderful. I, oh, that is exactly the kind of response I was hoping to get out of these quirky little questions that we threw in the middle of this. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. I, I think we could potentially combine a couple of the other ones here. I wanted to offer an opportunity. I know you, you're working on a book as well, I believe. David, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. We're um, So Positive Medicine Disrupting the Future is is very much aimed at the theory of why this works. Um, the next book that Gail and I are collaborating on is actually how to apply it in practice for yourself. So we're going through the four pillars, but we're also adding in some of the science as well, just so that people can understand this isn't anything woo-woo and it's definitely not alternative. The science is all there. So we're just capturing it to enable people to heal. Um, I just want to pick up on that self-efficacy word that Gail used. So this is a word that the psychologists use. And we use it a lot because it is underpinned by a modern definition of health that says that health is the ability to control our lives. Its fuller version is health is the ability to adapt and self-manage in the face of life's challenges. And that's what we're doing in this book. We're helping people to adapt and self-manage in the face of life's challenges. Adapt and self-manage is exactly what homeostasis is. It is the body reacting to our circumstances and our environment. So by helping people take control of their own lives, which is self-efficacy, self-efficacy is, I believe I control my own life. I believe that my destiny is my in my hands. I believe that my choices determine my future, which is actually a truism. Every choice we have ever made in life has led to this moment. Every choice we make from this moment will lead to where we are in six months' time, in six years' time. So helping people realize that and take control of that and aim for self-fulfillment and fulfilling their true destiny is, oh, what this book is all about. David, I think one other thing, we're actually not writing one book, we're busy with two. We're also busy with a, really? a physician-level uh, textbook of positive medicine. So I don't know which one you're referring to when you ask, but we're also collaborating with the group of thought leaders across um uh, you know, globally around around the development of the field of positive medicine for uh, for physicians to to use as an as a as a clinical text. Yeah, absolutely. So this is going to be a textbook of um, of the practice of positive medicine for healthcare practitioners. So not just doctors, but anyone working in healthcare, and it's going to explore in great depth the science behind the concepts that we're describing. It's going to look at the evidence base. Um, 
The reality is that nothing we are saying is actually new. There's nothing novel about the concepts that we're including in the positive medicine model. The only difference is that we've brought them all together. This is a synthesis of amazing science, particularly neuroscience and positive psychology. But the concept synthesis includes the the realization that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. By bringing this all together, we're actually creating something very special. That's what we're capturing in the textbook. So yeah, Gail, thank you for pointing out that actually there's there's two books we're writing. Basically, one for doctors and healthcare and the other for people. That's amazing. And uh, spiritually, I feel like we connected even before we first talked because I'm so glad you came back to this concept, if I may, real quick, of the self-efficacy because, Gail, something you said earlier, and and David highlights this very well, you had said that, um, you know, we we need to listen to our our own bodies. We need to believe. And I remember uh, during a very dark spot in my journey seeing I believe you will get better, but you have to believe it too. And so what you said actually lands with me so strongly. Actually, I I feel a bit emotional um, hearing you use those words. And uh, it really took me back to that point in time. And I write about that in in Ripple and Change. So I'm really glad we circled back to that. Thank you for that. And, and as as everyone can see that's watching this video, clearly I'm not in a dark space anymore as the sun is setting and I didn't really take that into consideration as I'm going in and out of the light. So uh, for those that are listening, it's been quite the, uh, the kaleidoscope on my face on, on the on the visual, if you will. Uh, so as as we this has been an absolutely wonderful conversation. and to hear the, the two of you talk about positive medicine, and the hopes and dreams and ideas and aspirations that you have associated with it is super exciting. Um, and I look forward to seeing the evolution of this over time. Um, I'd like to offer both of you, if you'd like any final thoughts that you'd like to impart, uh, I suppose now would be a wonderful time and we can leave that open-ended, uh, before we do that though, I'd like to just give a shout out to your uh, website. And if you have anything to add, it's, uh, positivemedicine.com, correct? Yeah, yeah. We and we um, we are as of uh, as of next week uh, launching our practitioner training uh, community. So we're we've got f- uh, formal uh, training for practitioners, healthcare professionals, health coaches to support them in learning how to practice according to the positive medicine model. Um, and what we've done is uh, we've created a learning community because we know we know as much as we know now and we know that as a collective we're going to learn so much more in the future about how to actually apply this when we're when we're creating this vision of the future that we all share. Uh, so so it's going to be a, an ongoing learning uh, group for us to, to to move forward. so we're very excited to to um, share that with everybody. yeah Yeah and my closing thought is that the whole of this discussion that we've had has actually been about hope. We want to give doctors, healthcare professionals, and patients 
hope for the future. And this is where I think the ripple of change is such an important concept. The ripple effect or the butterfly effect comes from chaos theory, where Lorenz said that the flap of a butterfly's wing in Buenos Aires can create a tornado in Texas. And this is the point. Lots of little ripples, lots of little changes can actually reach a tipping point that leads to massive transformation. This is the revolution we're talking about. It's a positive revolution, and we want people to go away with that hope that we're nearing that tipping point, and they can be part of tipping us over the edge into positivity. And and uh, what David said is so is so great. It's at every level, right? So the positive changes I make, if I make lots of little steps in my day-to-day life, those are also part of that ripple. And each individual person doing that in the way we work, in the way we interact with our patients or our clients, in the way we live our lives, and and then what you guys are doing, really connecting us all globally, you know, and and sharing this wisdom and sharing this knowledge. And, and I think that's what... That's what's so critical. Each person is going to take their core talent or gift from a spiritual level and see and use that piece. That everybody has a part to play, and I think finding your part and living that and doing that—that's what's the magic. Um, we, we're gonna—we can only do this together, and that's the—that's the message. Each person has to do their few steps. Uh, but if we know that we're not alone doing those few steps and we know that there's a whole lot of people doing their few steps, we can really create this vision we're wanting to create. And it's it's very exciting to see the momentum that uh, that's being made already by by these positive actions. So, yeah, it's awesome. Just want to say thanks to David and Gail, our guests today on the Ripple of Change podcast, Searching for Our Quadruple Aim. Again, please remember to check out their website, www.positivemedicine.com. Actually, I just want to add, Todd, Joshua, thank you for everything you're doing to help build this ripple. Um, The world really needs you right now. Healthcare professionals really need you right now. Thank you for all your good work. Thank you. Thank you. What positive ripple of change will you make today?